Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. A Merseyside derby. Jose Mourinho back at Old Trafford. The Socceroos up against Argentina and Lionel Messi at the Copa America. There is so much to get stuck into in this week's episode of The Gagan Pod. David Wiener with you once again, joined by Richard Bayless and Luke Wilkshire. He's back with us for another edition. There is so much to talk about. Let's get started. Yes, hello everyone. How good is midweek football? So much to enjoy this week on Optus Sport before we roll into another weekend of Premier League and Champions League next week. So much to digest and to do that, we've got Luke Wilkshire back at Optus Sport. How are you, mate? Good to see you. Good to see you, mate. Good to be back. It's been a while. Great morning we've got to talk through now. And Richard Bayless, great to see you again. How are you going? Hello, Dave. Good to see you, even though I see you every day. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for being so cordial. (laughs) Luke, First, before we get into this morning's amazing actions, congratulations to you, a silver medal at the University World Championships in China recently. What a great experience for you, a huge year of coaching now done and dusted. Yeah, it was, it's been a massive year and I'm, I'm feeling the, the fatigue of that, but um, no, it was a fantastic trip over to China with the University of Wollongong. Uh, no one gave us a chance, but to uh, to go over and yeah, it was, it was disappointing to be honest, not to win it, I was um, yeah, very disappointed. There are a couple of managerial openings in the Premier League. Uh, any chance? Any chance, mate? Oh, uh, look, um, you know, one year in, we'll see where it goes, but I think the Premier League might be just a little <laughs> bit too far. No, far. Don't, don't say that. <laughs> we'll find out a little bit more about that a little bit later in the program, but there's nowhere else to start but at Anfield, where Liverpool's B-side smashed Everton 5 to a galling night for Toffees fans as they head down into the relegation zone. Will Marco Silva still be in charge by the time you listen to this podcast? Who knows? He's walking on very thin ice. But Rich, what a what a s- sensational night out for Liverpool fans because before the game, five changes. Obviously, Allison was suspended, but Jordan Henderson rested. Mohamed Salah rested. Roberto Firmino rested. And they went and did the business. Divo Kariki within five minutes. It could not have been more emphatic. Yeah, it's a little bit sad, isn't it? It's a Merseyside derby. The club's separated by a couple of hundred metres. And regardless of form, you know, you think both sides desperately want to throw the kitchen sink at it. But Liverpool just don't have to. You know, they're in such good form. They're finding ways to win. You know, Jurgen Klopp's clearly very confident with his squad and knows that with a big December ahead, he's had to rest a few players for a game that should be one of the first that the fans look at on the fixture list, certainly for Everton fans, they would have identified that game and said, we need to go to Anfield and compete because we haven't done it for so long. You know, a long time since they've won there. And after the weekend, Everton actually played pretty well against Leicester and you thought they were a little bit unlucky. But now, having lost to Leicester, been smashed by Liverpool and with Chelsea at the weekend... The question really is when, not if, for Silver. And I'm frantically refreshing (laughs) Twitter here because it's going to happen, Dave. We'll finish this podcast and he'll be gone. It has to be, right? Because they got no, nowhere else to turn. The weekend, they were defensively resolute. But today, long balls over the top, and they're just watching Divock Origi carve them to shreds. Oh, Origi carved them to shreds, but I thought Mane was, a, was the man of the moment. He was, he was phenomenal. Um, 
but yeah, look, I, I can't see him lasting too much longer. I think, um, you know, I think after the weekend and I'm guessing another loss to Chelsea and, and he'll be well on his way, if not before then. They're in the relegation zone too. Southampton's win this morning means that Everton are in the bottom three. And this is a club that certainly on paper, Luke, we're looking at essentially what Leicester are doing. Maybe not top two or top four, but, you know, the way they recruited, the money they spent, you know, how well rated Silver is as a young manager or certainly or was. 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 Yeah. Yeah. yeah, maybe not so much uh, anymore, but they would have been looking at top six, seven at minimum for this stage of the season. They're in the bottom three. Yeah, right now I think all, all they'll be concerned about is remaining in the Premier League because, um, you know, the form they're in and obviously they invested a lot of money. There's a lot of disappointment. Hence the fact that Silver is, uh, you know, looking above it and axe above him. But, um, you know, look, it's, t- it's tough times and, you know, I wouldn't want to be an Evertonian right now. That's the clincher, isn't it, Rich? It's the money that he spent. You can't have any excuse when for a couple of seasons now Everton have spent money and you've looked at what other teams who spent less, even Liverpool this season to a certain extent. Um, the question that I wonder, is this saving Marco Silva, is that there's so many managers who are in the firing line, who is actually available? Is it, Are the Everton board sitting there going, is David Moyes right now the actual solution to our crisis? Because if he's not, you have to figure that they're going to have to wait till the end of the season to get anyone of repute. Ah, oh, you've, you've got to do something now, though. I mean, for a club that big to be in the bottom three this far into the season, it's not a fluke. It's not an anomaly. They've been poor more often than not. The performance against Leicester was weird, how it was actually okay, but to turn out tonight and get spanked. I thought with the spending thing, there was a moment that really summed up where they're at at the moment when they're 4-2 down, Moise Keane mm. one-on-one with the goalkeeper and he puts it wide. I mean, that's one of their, their big signings. A lot of people went, wow, that's a statement of intent. A young striker, so young from Juventus with uh, a lot of potential. Well, he hasn't proven that potential at all. You know, it just has not worked for them. Not that they would have deserved at that point, mind you, to be only 3-2 <laughs> down because uh, Liverpool probably took their foot off the accelerator. But no, they, they have to do something soon. Moyes? <laughs> I think um, you never know, and they might they might just resort to that just to be able to keep him safe. Just knowing that he can he can grind grind something out of him. He, he knows the club, um, so look, you know, in a desperate time, desperate measures. I wonder how the dominoes do fall because Chris Hutton has been heavily linked to Watford. Other than that, you got your classic journeyman bunch of managers, and then there's a sort of other tier. We're not talking the likes of Allegri, who obviously Arsenal and those types of clubs are looking for, but Rafa Benitez, who might be tempted back from China for a, a decent project. Well, that'd be a cool storyline across the park from his old club, of course. But, you know, I think Duncan Ferguson, right, is the name that the people would say would come in as a caretaker. And I think maybe they, they need, because they do have a good squad on paper, what they probably need is someone to remind everyone what the club is about. Someone like that that's got the club co- close to heart. And that that's probably goes for David Moyes as well. Because they've got a good team on paper, but because Goodison Park is becoming that sort of toxic air atmosphere mm. that you don't want it to be, it has to be probably someone in the short term who at least understands what the club's about. And I, I agree. Sorry, I, I agree with that. And, and I noticed today on the pitch, um, I think it was when the second goal went in for Liverpool, there was a lot of disharmony. There was a lot of arguing amongst the players um, and obviously clear distress. So someone like that to pull them into line and, and like I say, to understand what it really means uh, at that club, I think um, to at least get them out of that relegation zone and safe and rebuild for the next year. Absolutely right. It's hard to fathom Everton down in that part of the table. 
the problem for whoever comes in is their run to the rest of 2019 is absolutely torrid. So it's one of those ones where someone's going to come in and find it tough anyway. You hope for a bounce back. But if you stay with Silver, you are looking at the realistic prospect of sliding deeper and deeper into the relegation zone. And also the clubs around them. We mentioned Southampton winning. That's two in a few days for them. You know, which seems remarkable. They lost 9-0 a couple of months ago and they're all of a sudden looking like they will stay or at least for the moment. Newcastle are grinding out some good results, particularly at home. There are some average clubs in the Premier League, but you, you can't say there are too many worse at the moment than Everton. And someone like Ralph Houston, who do at least has a bit of identity to what he's doing, whereas you just look at Everton right now and you're not sure that they do. The gap between the two stadiums in Merseyside, Merseyside has metaphorically never been bigger and we've got to touch on Liverpool today because we spoke about we speak a lot about the gap that's opened up to Manchester City now uh, we speak about how they seem to be able to win games no matter what's happening half their wins have been 2-1 this year uh, eight games this year where they've eked out wins where they probably haven't played that well and today he names his B team I mean symbolically everything about that it says so much about where they're at Luke last year remember Optus Sport you had your Liverpool fans texting you frantically when you said uh uh-uh, I want you to win, but you're not going to. Are they going to be a bit happier with you this year? Yeah, I think uh, the way they're playing and and obviously the gap that they've got at the top there, they're going <laughs> to say this and uh, it might jinx them, but they're going to have to uh, literally trip over and you know throw it away because you know the form they're in and and the team's chasing. I think the most likely looks like it's going to catch them as Leicester. Um, but after watching that that tonight, like you say, their B team. Uh, seeing Mane in the form that he's in was was just frightening, and I don't know whether that's because Everton were that bad, or he's just that good. Do you think can Leicester actually do it? Yeah, I I think there's they've shown that they can. I think the the consistency that they've shown under Brendan Rodgers has been phenomenal. Um, and people always said, was that a one one hit wonder? And you know, can, can they can they keep that pressure up? I think in the coming weeks, some some big fixtures which will really answer those questions. The other thing about Leicester, and sorry, Dave, it seems like uh, I've moved you on to another game this <laughs> no, morning, but the crazy thing about Leicester is that when they won it, it was like this one opportunity. This is never yeah. going to happen again. That group of players, there were journeymen in there, particularly at the back. There were these players who were just playing out of their skin. But at the moment, it doesn't seem like this is a flash in the pan. You look at how young, particularly their front four and midfield is, fullbacks as well. You know, they've got a side that you know, if they can keep it together, will be there for the next few years. So they're sort of playing with that freedom, aren't they? Like, they, they're not too worried about where they're sitting. A little bit like Chelsea. Uh, by do it, do you, are we talking literally winning the league? Because I think the, the thing we've got to look at is we keep referencing stats of the big six, but we can't anymore because the Leicester are there. The gap from fourth to fifth is so sizable now. There's a realistic prospect that Brendan Rodgers is going to guide them to Champions League football again next year. We can talk about can they win the league, but just think about that for a moment. We talked about they played a, a, a Champions League quarterfinal under Craig Shakespeare a couple of years ago. They go into and they said that was going to be it. That was the myth. That was done. That was the moment. They're going to have to stuff it up not to be there again next year, and that in itself is is pretty remarkable. Brendan Rodgers linked to the Arsenal drop. Why? Why would he take that? No chance. No, no chance. You'd be crazy. No, and 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 you say why well, they can't eat, but you get momentum. When you when you're in in that sort of form and there's that confidence there and the momentum and the habit of winning, and they find a way even even when they don't perform so well they find a way to win and it's a habit. 
And they did, and the classic example of that was the late winner against Everton because that just sums it all up. When things are going against you, that's what happens when you're Everton and that's what happens when you're Leicester. And you reference that, Rich. I think it's phenomenal. I mean, it's been well told. We don't have to repeat what he has done to Jamie Vardy. But the fact that he's got a team that is brimming with Ayosi Perez and James Madison at the same time and Yuri Tillerman, that is a crafty achievement. Ben Shilwell, um, Harvey Barnes, the, you know. Yeah, the two fullbacks. <laughs> yeah, it's a very good team. And they've got a 12-point buffer too on fifth place. And fifth place is Wolves, who themselves are still thin. And while they're finding form themselves, it's not like whoever's sitting in fifth is this colossus of a club mm. that you know are going to come home with a wet sail because they'll be tested. You know, 12 points would be a big gap to throw away to not make Champions League. 100%. And I, I definitely wouldn't bet against them not making it. I think um, from what I've seen so far... I think they're, they're going to be ones that are going to push Liverpool all the way and, and I'm sure they're going to be in the top. So you was, you asked, can they do it before? Are you, you, st- you you making that a title race? Maybe. Uh, if someone, like, you know. Well, <laughs> that's who, not, who else? Okay, obviously got Manchester City, but who else can you say, it, given the form and uh, the way it's shaped up? I think they're the ones they are pushing. We need someone to do it because yeah, Liverpool, Chelsea. you know, Liverpool don't look likely at the moment of dropping the eleven points back to Manchester City. Leicester are eight points back. It seems still pretty unlikely, but when they won it a few years ago, everyone thought it was unlikely till about two or three weeks yeah. from the end, and went, "Hang on a second, yeah. this might happen." And they do play each other again too, so that's going to be a massive. That's a massive game as well. But actually, also because if. Manchester City hope that Liverpool do have a drop points, lest they get Liverpool when in that torrid run of December fixtures. So that's a really interesting one to circle as well. The funny thing about when they won at Leicester was the stars aligned that they were so f- perfect and every other big six team was having a crisis uh, or a, a, a redevelopment of some sort. In a way, they're going to cash in on that cycle again because we talk about the gap and Wolves being fifth. We can turn our attention to Manchester United v Tottenham today, two teams who should be vying for that top four. And are not. Um, I think Jose Mourinho has probably saw today in the two-one defeat what he does have to work with in reality. Whereas uh, Manchester City, Manchester United did move up into sixth spot um, with that two-one win. Marcus Rashford, the star. This was a massive night for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, Luke, because everyone was saying that he loses this with Mourinho back. He loses the derby. It's probably it. But now he's probably bought himself the season, or at least till January. Yeah, he's probably bought himself some time with that result. I think, um, obviously, the fact that Jose was coming back to Manchester United, I'm sure, played a played a bit of a factor in the in the performance as well, and that that extra little bit of motivation. I'm sure they um, the players themselves as well. I think um, would have would have wanted to put one over Jose coming back. I think um, you know Solskjaer, Yeah, he's, he's bought himself some time, and obviously with the with the derby coming up, uh, they'll breed a bit of confidence into the squad going into that game and. In a derby, you never know what could happen. Uh, they did want to prove a point to Mourinho this morning because that was the be- the first half an hour was the best I've seen of United this year. Yeah, or well, the first half. You know, the the goal for Deli Ali, unbelievable goal. <laughs> that, that, that's reminiscent of something he would have done two or three years yeah. ago, wasn't it? A different player all of a sudden, but uh, that was completely against the run of play. Yeah. You know, the whole half was played in Tottenham's half. Uh, they were very good. They pressed high. Going into the weekend, they probably will be a little bit more tired with one day less to turn around than Manchester City, but. It's all about Mourinho today. That's mm. all they wanted to get was the three points and they were clearly the better team. Symbolically, Solskjaer had to win this one because the last thing he needed was Mourinho coming back and grinning away with three points. And in the end, it was Mourinho who left Old Trafford with them singing Ollie's name in the stand. So that's absolutely critical. But the difference was, well, we talk about Deli Ali, Luke, who obviously is reborn under Mourinho, focal point of what they're doing, a player who didn't star 
for Mourinho last year, Marcus Rashford, he relished today. He was at another level. He's become almost a difference maker for United. Yeah, he has been. And, you know, it's funny how managers can get the best out of some players and, and not others. And I think um, Deli Ali definitely has, has come to life since Mourinho come. I mean, Mourinho coming out and questioning which uh, whether he was actually Deli Ali or his brother. <laughs> I think, um, you know, it's good to see a response from a player like that. You know, he's not gone, gone open and hiding. He's, he's gone out there to prove a point and, he, and he's, he's done that. And, you know, you look at Rashford and obviously thinking, you know, you didn't give me much when you were here and this is, this is why you maybe should have played me and you might have still been here as manager. Now, they've been on both sides of the fence, both as a player and now as a, as a coach in your early years. How, how do you, would you approach such a situation? Because Rashford... Ali, similar generation, similar players, clearly responded to the same kind of tough love differently. How would you approach that kind of situation and, and how delicate is it to get it right? Yeah, I guess you've got to understand personalities as well, but, you, you know, that's, um, that's man management. But, you know, for me personally, you know, I, I love to challenge. I still love a challenge now when people tell me something that you can't do and, and you, want to, you want to go and prove a point. And I think, you, you know, as a player, if you're questioned about, your attitude or your ability or, or whatever it is from your manager or anyone else and you know otherwise then you know to go and show that response and to to prove a point uh, and to really stand up I think shows good character. Which I guess gets to the heart of the question with Mourinho at the moment. Has he changed? Is he a different person? Is he a different manager? And it'll, it'll take a couple of bad results mm. such as this morning to really test whether you know the leopard has changed his yeah. spots. We're going to see it now. We're going to see it now because Tottenham struggled. They were lethargic. And even against Olympiacos, we remember how it finished, but that overshadows how it started. So he's got a, still a fair bit to work on. And we know that Ericsson's now pretty much cameo appearances. He's going to leave. How do you see this one playing out? Like, how do you will, will we see Mourinho? Um, you know, it, everyone's talking about it's so positive, but now we're going to see a real test. Yeah, we will. Um, you know, and that's that's exciting. I think it's exciting for for the players to see, for the for the media to see. That's for sure. And and you know, look, he's he's got a whole new new challenge. It's a complete different squad of players that you got you got to deal with um, and get the best out of. And and obviously, they they're a little bit fragile given their previous performances under under Poch so you know should this turn south uh, would he have the same fate well they're up to sixth as I said and the Manchester Derby this weekend will be absolutely fascinating two teams still with a point to prove I still think Solskjaer's got so much to prove but it was a big result yesterday for Manchester City Um, Burnley was just what the doctor ordered actually for them um, because they've struggled in recent times and even Rodri who scored such a fabulous goal yesterday he said we needed that Uh, indeed they did Rich that was the bounce back they really needed after a couple of weeks of stuttering form yeah, and Burnley, Turf Moor is not the easiest place to go to and win, let alone go to and score four goals. Although, th- that said, this season Burnley have been one of the more inconsistent mm. teams. So you don't exactly know what you're going to get at the moment under Sean Dyche. But Manchester City, it just seems like they just can't string a run together, whether that's a 90 minutes or whether it's two performances in a row. You know, it looks as though the shuffle of the pack, if you like, company going and then the pressure on the defence, particularly once a few injuries happen. Fernandinho moving out of a role that he was very good at for the last few years. It just seems like there's enough unrest to create that uh, lack of momentum and getting it back is going to be difficult. You know, Liverpool have to drop a lot of points and City have to be near perfect for them to go back to back to back. Hence the questions about whether Leicester are the team because City, they need to go on a pretty big, 
month, pretty big run, really, to have people considering them as, you know, proper title challenges again. And that's it. There's no massive crisis there. You just mentioned that a lot of things have to get right to be perfect, but they've just got a little problem here, a little problem there. Injuries in defence, Aguero injured, some playing on at their best form, and they've all added up right now to give Guardiola his biggest headache in England. Yeah, they have. And, you know, look, but I, I always look at Manchester City's squad and it's it's so deep. And there's so many options and, and they've got so many goals in their squad. And you, you look at that to go away and score four goals in Burnley at Turf Moor is not easy. And I think this, this month in December, um, over the Christmas, New Year period, is going to play a major factor. The fact that they do have a deep squad, um, should they be able to get on that run, which they're definitely capable of, they have, they have that ability um, you know, to see. You never know when Liverpool start to, to stutter again. But you can't rule them out, not yet. True, they do have a, an awful lot of quality. Guardiola said this week that they wouldn't go and buy anyone or spend in January, but if they're out of form and out of touch with Liverpool, what do you think that will happen? Do you think that's scary for everyone else, that, you know, the money that they have at their disposal? Do they wait till the end of the season and just completely redo their squad or buy four or five top quality players, or do they panic buy, do you think, in January? I don't think they would panic buy. I don't think that that's what they do. They have a, like I said, they have a deep squad. They have a lot of quality within the squad. Um, I think Guardiola would back himself to be able to get the best out of the squad that he's got to see through the season. And, and should that not happen, then I think you'd see a, a big overhaul in the summer. Human nature too is that that they've won it back to back. If he's focused and he gets out of this season with a progression in the Champions League, so semi-finals beyond, hopefully win it, you'd almost say that trading places with Liverpool wouldn't wouldn't be a problem for Guardiola. Well, no, I mean, you know, been there, done that with the league, isn't it? I mean, it's a matter of time until the pressure does mount on winning the Champions League and Guardiola was brought in essentially for that moment because both Mancini and Pellegrini had done the job before in terms of the league. The pressure is on Guardiola in Europe. If they don't go beyond the round of 16 or or quarterfinal, you'd think at this point with this squad, he'd probably be under a, a fair bit of pressure. Yeah, that is what they want. I think um, if they, at the start of the season they, they would to swap with Klopp and say you can have the league and we'll take the Champions League, it would have, it would have been more than happy. So I agree. I think uh, the Champions League is the one that they're really after and if they were to, to see the, the league suffer in a, enabling them to, to go on further in the Champions League, then they'd, they'd let that happen. Yeah, speaking just instructive to your point earlier about the depth, I mean, Gabriel Jesus did score a brace. Uh, Rodri chimed in with a goal and Red Mahrez, who was off the bench and with a point to prove too. So that says so much about the options City have. But just to wrap up, Rich, your point, you mentioned Pellegrini before. Mr. Pellegrino, as Mourinho likes to call him. Uh, a loss this morning again for West Ham. I know that they did get that bounce back on the weekend against Chelsea, but um, how long's he got? Because... He's probably lucky that there's so many managers under fire. And, and, and as I mentioned earlier, there's not that many options out there. But his magic dust has kind of worn off in, in London. Yeah, they're only two points above the relegation zone, although there are a stack of teams down there. They're sitting 13th and they're only a few points up, you know, from top half. You know, Such is the impact that one win can have. But it does seem like that win over Chelsea, uh, your mob, Dave, was a bit of an anomaly. I thought they were pretty good against Chelsea. It wasn't a yeah. fluke. Um, but yeah, rever- reverting to type again this morning with a... Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast. 
and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. With a considerable loss and with Arsenal next up out of sorts, the pressure will be on to, to take advantage of that in a London derby where, you know, the rivalry with Arsenal is probably not as heated as it is with some of the other London clubs, but nevertheless, it's a great opportunity in a high-profile game to get back on track. You'd have to say Silver is at the front of the queue at the moment, the dull queue, if you like. He's, he's going to be the first one out. But, you know, Solskjaer has given himself some time. But otherwise, yeah, I mean, it's it's got to be Pellegrini in the gun. He said what? Turning our attention to a game tomorrow where Arsenal, uh, they're back in action with Freddie Lundberg in charge. And the question we've got for Freddie Lundberg, which is the most important question right now, is will he be wearing a suit or will he be wearing a tracksuit again? Because Paul Scholes, of course, came out after the last game and said he should have been wearing a suit and tie in his debut to send a statement, set a tone. Um, Paul Scholes, of course, it was later dug up, only wore a jumper and an open collar shirt in his first game for Oldham. But don't let that get in the way of a good piece of punditry. Now, we, we bring this up to the podcast today because there's no one better, better to ask than you, Luke, who looked resplendent in a nice red jumper during this season with the Wollongong <laughs> Wolves. Should Freddie Lundberg be wearing a suit or should he be wearing a tracksuit and doesn't matter? He's a boss. He can wear what he wants as far as I'm concerned. I think um, I think that's something that's maybe a little bit personal that Scalzi's brought back up from the past. <laughs> to, I mean, you, if you look at Klopp and it's okay for him to wear, wear a tracksuit and, and wear, look where he is, I think... Um, you know, as as the boss of the club, and and he's been given that he can he can do what he wants in terms of his fashion sense. I think it's taken me probably a little bit longer than normal on the podcast to mention Leeds, Dave. But look at what Marcelo Bielsa is doing. He's not only wearing a tracksuit on the pitch side or on his bucket, he's wearing it to black tie events as well. A couple of weeks ago, Leeds had their 100th year anniversary dinner. Everyone wearing the penguin suit looked very good. Club legends, and he strolls in in this disgusting ugly grey tracksuit. I think if uh, if someone like Marce- Marcelo Bielsa can do that, Freddie Jumberg can do absolutely whatever he wants. I reckon he sleeps <laughs> in it, Bielsa. He's that, he's that work obsessed. Um, Arsenal, they host Brighton. 7.15 at, on Friday morning, Eastern Daylight Time, on Optus Sport. The first time back at the Emirates since that. Absolutely, you talk about toxic before with Everton, Rich. Toxic was the night against Eintracht Frankfurt at the Emirates where it was a third, a third, a third full bit over that. Um, what reception do you think the faithful will give on Friday? Because I tell you what, in their first game back on on Monday, not a hell of a lot have changed. No, that's the thing. Normally you see the the manager bounce back and some players look at the opportunity and say, well, okay, well, I can step my claim for a starting spot and I can prove that it was all Emery. It wasn't me as an individual, but they were still poor individually. Made some silly mistakes. Could have lost to Norwich as well. Mm. You'd think that... Freddie Jumberg would get a pretty good reception, first home game in charge, considering what he did over the corner or over the road at uh, Highbury throughout his illustrious Gunners career. But it can turn sour pretty quickly. And if Brighton go there and, and play some good football, you know, score against Arsenal, which they're more than likely to do, considering Arsenal's defence, then it can turn sour pretty quickly. Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, obviously Brighton showed against Liverpool that, that they can put up a fight and they're, they're no pushover. I think, um, you know, the fact that Lundberg's been there under Emery is maybe why they haven't had that, that real sort of oomph, like that change. And, and like you say, normally when they change change manager or someone comes in fresh, they do step up and they, they're all fighting for their places again. And I don't know whether there's still that, that consistency of the same same that's around, um, whether it takes a complete change and someone to really come in who can stamp their authority uh, to get a reaction out of them. Who do you want to see get the job at Arsenal? 
Oh, I think uh, I think uh, <laughs> Pochettino would be a nice, interesting one. <laughs> is that realistic? Nah. Is that possible? Can't happen. Surely, can't mm. happen. He's the best man for it, but can it happen? Yeah, I, I can't. I can't see it happening. Um, you know, we spoke about this that he is that gentleman. Um, but look, if he if he wants a job and he wants a job quickly, then uh, then it's one there for him. That's for sure. Brighton will play good football and Arsenal will be open for business. So that will be really good to, to see how they hold out. But you look at that bounce back. I mean, what was Lundberg left to do f- as a statement of a new manager? Bring in Mustafi, bring in Xhaka, bring in Ozil. I mean, that tells you what he's got to play with. Just on Brighton though, Dave, as well. This is a big game for them because, you know, for all their you know great football that they've played under Graham Potter so far, they haven't necessarily got the rewards. And they're in the middle of a really ordinary fixture run. I think they've had Manchester United, Leicester, Liverpool. So three games on the bounce they've lost. Yes, they're against the, the bigger teams, if you like, but the pressure is going to be on them very soon. They're only one point above the drop zone. And, you know, you look at the clubs around them, it seems like they'll be down there for a long time. Yeah. Wouldn't you say, well, what better place to go than Highbury to play well, against Arsenal at the moment? Yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> and, and and Arsenal will still be considered, obviously. Well, they are a big club. Let's not be silly. You know, Brighton would go there and say, this would be a big scalp, even if they're not playing that well. So great chance to, yeah, jump up. And as we said before, considering how stupidly tight the table is, it'd probably jump them up to about second the way it's sitting at the moment. <laughs> it is an absolutely absurd table. But I think, I think just quietly, it's a really good opportunity for Brighton when they go there on Friday. And we'll see what happens. Because uh, talking about that, Odd table, same time if you if you fancy. Also on Optus Sport, Sheffield United play Newcastle United and Sheffield United are up there with you. Here's one for you guys. I mean, what is the what is your favourite story of the season? Is it Leicester? Is it Sheffield United? Is it Wolves? Which one of these teams of overachieving at different levels has, has taken your fancy? For me, it's Leicester. I, I mean, maybe not so overachieving, but um, the way they're playing, their consistency. I mean, look, Sheffield United have been fantastic and, and I think look comfortable to maintain um, Premier League status and, you know, credit to them. I think um, they've, they've, they've done really well. But for me, Leicester, Leicester's, um, you know, really impressed me. Also, also Chelsea, mind you. Oh, good. Yeah, that's very good. We haven't mentioned them yet <laughs> yeah, today. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, the little, little old Chelsea, you know, they've been, they've been nice. Uh, Leicester, I think, as well, because it's a developing story, isn't it? As you said before, they're young. They've got a lot of development still to do. And they're also really entertaining to watch I think ultimately that's what you want Sheffield United they've played good football uh, definitely but they grind out results I, I don't think they're anywhere near out of the woods yet though by the way you know 19 points after 14 great start but they're only a couple of ordinary match weeks away from being right down there but they would have taken this if you, oh, sure. if you if that's the thing if you Tip last by almost every pundit before the season. You've got to have, they've got that runway to at least go into the new year with that buffer. Yeah, I think they have, and I, I think with with this start gains confidence, gains a little bit of momentum, and and looking at some of the other clubs really faltering. I think um, with that confidence and momentum and belief that they can go on and grind out those results, that that they'll be able to grind out enough to keep them safe. You mentioned Chelsea. We'll just round off this morning's action with that. They got a good solid win against Aston Villa. John Terry returning to Stamford Bridge. Nice little uh, gesture at the start. The crowd was singing his name and he reunited with his old mate Frank Lampard. Tammy Abraham, Mason Mount, the two goals. That sums it up, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Um, Tammy Abraham, I think, is, has been a revelation. He's been fantastic for him. I, I've, like I said, I've really enjoyed um, seeing what Lampard's done with, with, with Chelsea. They're, they're playing some really good football, uh, you know, with the the youngest younger players that have really, really taken on board 
what he's brought and with a lot of confidence and a couple of fantastic goals and, and in amongst the creativity, William, who's, who's just, yeah, for me, you know, come to life again under, under Lampard. He's, he's, he's got that, that trickery and that masterclass and, you know, Tammy Avery, what more can you say? He's, he's, he's going to be a big, big, big player in the future. Absolutely. Let's change pace a little bit, guys. Back to midweek surprise news announcement with Australia's Copper America draw. How about that? Oh, let's just say that again. Actually, Australia's Copper America draw just sounds absolutely <laughs> bizarre. But that is the reality next year. The little bonus tournament after the first phase of World Cup qualifying ends. Australia should have that done and dusted uh, well and truly in the, in the weeks leading up to it. And then there's the small matter of Argentina, Bolivia, Chile, Paraguay and Uruguay in the south zone of that tournament. The other group, of course, which will have Qatar in it, sees Brazil, Colombia, Ecuador, Peru, Venezuela. Do you, uh, Luke, as one of uh, Arnie's favourites, do you potentially, you know, use your recent success as a manager to try to get on that trip? I imagine it would be a, a pretty fun one to be part of. It's funny you say that now, <laughs> Rich. Um, Arnie, you've got my number, don't you? Uh, <laughs> no, look, I think that's a... That's a that's a massive opportunity. I think obviously it's a huge challenge, huge huge challenge. But um, but also you know you, you love those challenges, and that's a massive opportunity to go there for the players, for the staff, um, and for Australia in general and world football. Huge opportunity too on on paper, obviously to play against the the big names: Argentina, Uruguay. Um, you know, we've played Paraguay before. Chile, obviously, we played at the World Cup in 2014. So there's history between those yeah, nations. So it'll be nice to to rekindle that but you look at the actual schedule let's be super positive for a moment because a lot of people have said oh no we'll go over there and we'll be embarrassed the first up game against Uruguay will obviously be tough thank god it's not in Uruguay it's in Argentina but from there you know you you play against the Paraguay side that are a little bit inconsistent Bolivia are the real opportunity so okay we, we might have four points after two games if things go well you know who's to say we can't crack that top four because it's the top four from each group that goes through I'm obviously being you know, a little, little bit positive, positive but, but you've got to you know. be positive and you, you got to, there's no point going there if you don't believe that you can actually achieve something and then it's pointless even getting on the plane as far as I'm concerned. So, you know, and you look at it, it's tough. There's no doubt about it. But those, those first three games, I think there's no reason why you can't pick up five points. Yep. I think, um, you know, we've, there's, there's enough, there's enough in the past to show that we can get something against Uruguay, I think, um, you know, and again, I, I, you got you got to believe, otherwise it's pointless going. How do you approach a tournament like this? Do you go, because obviously the team is evolving under Graham Arnold and, and improved game by game in the walk-up qualifying phase. It's very clear what he's trying to do, but do you go to this tournament and go, no, we have to be smart here because um, we're playing some pretty big opponents with some pretty big names? Naturally, you have to be smart um, and you got, you got to have that air of caution. Um, but at the same time, you've got to back yourself and, and back what, what we have and, and what our qualities are and try and, um, you know, we've got to, got to, I guess, as you say, hide your weaknesses and try and show your qualities or and try and find the op- opponent's weaknesses and try and nullify their qualities. Just to not be a half-class empty at all, but Luke, you had, you've, had, you've had different experiences. You've played against Argentina uh, when they were here. Um, but you obviously had that f- infamous game, I suppose, where Holger Osijek had those two high-profile games. France, Brazil, how good's that? Almost the same tone that we're talking about now. But it can become a poison chalice, I suppose, because you go there and whilst we're going, we might be on five points. It could backfire. It's in the middle of World Cup qualifying. How big a risk is that element? Can you talk us through that experience? 
What expired? I don't remember those games <laughs> at all, mate. What, what are you talking about there? <laughs> no, look. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that hurts. Um, no, but you, you, you know, you, you got to step outside the comfort zone and you you got to challenge yourself and, you know, you, you can't think about that. You can't, I'm, I'm not one of those who's gonna gonna go on and like say a, a glass half empty. It's it's always half full as far as I'm concerned. And you know, I th- I think you got to, and I credit Holger to to at least be willing to take on those challenges when when he was you know recommended otherwise. Um, I would rather be that person and and myself as a player and even as a coach now to to take on those challenges rather than to be sort of erring on the safe side and just trying to get by. What's it like playing in South America? Yeah, it's challenging. Everywhere's challenging. It's different everywhere. Um, obviously, when you go to those sort of places, it's 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 great to see the passion of the people there, and you know the ruthless ruthlessness. Um, you know, so look, it's it's a great experience, and like I say, I, you know, it's a great challenge and a great opportunity that you got to go in wholeheartedly and 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 be positive. Great opportunity too for any Socceroos fans that, you know, get involved in away trips or want to book a holiday for halfway through next year. I mean, Australia are playing Argentina in Buenos Aires at the Stadio Monumental. I mean, that, wow. that would be unbelievable yeah. to, to be there and experience, you know, an amazing footballing theatre, but also just to be in a, a great city and somewhere that we don't go to often enough. No, it's arguably once in a lifetime, which is makes this all... It, it is. is oh, what a place. Fantastic. We need to work out some kind of junket to all get over there, I think. <laughs> yes, okay. So if Arnie isn't calling, then uh, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm it's, available. It's also, <laughs> it's also smack bang in the middle of the Euros. Yeah. I mean, what about that for a month of football? We'll, we'll obviously be broadcasting the Euros, but hopefully we'll be From able Buenos to Buenos Aires? <laughs> Maybe. We'll see, we'll see if we can swing that. Might, might be Good time zone. But, but just, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously the Euros happen largely overnight, our time, but the latest kickoff for the Euros, Australian time, uh, sort of Sydney time would be 5 so we haven't yet seen the scheduling for for copper, but in theory, you know the Socceroos, uh, you know against Argentina could be on shortly after after that. Good luck to anyone in Australia trying to get some work done in that month. That's a massive football fan. But just lastly on this, Rich, like the Copper America in recent times has all um, South America World Cup qualifying. It's been pretty pragmatic. It's been pretty brutal and and tight. And in a way, it, whilst Australia wants to back itself in the way it plays its football, that may open the door, these really competitive, combative games. Um, it, it's another interesting challenge for this side to show a different string, but it might suit us. Well, the good thing about it, you look at the way they qualify for World Cups, it's always, you know, pretty much every team in there, I think except for Bolivia, has been at a World Cup in the last 20 years. And the challenge there is going home and away. The differences between the countries, you know, in terms of, you know, where you're playing at sea level. I've lost the word. Uh, brains just gone. Altitude. Altitude, yeah. that's it. That's why you're a, you're a journalist, Dave. <laughs> you know, the, the different challenges uh, between each nation and also how fierce it is in the rivalries. But the good thing for us, I suppose, is that it's in the one place. You know, hopefully there's a good plan to go there and acclimatise to playing in Argentina. You know, getting set, good preparation. Like in you know, 2005, before the qualifier uh, in Uruguay, we were... We were really well set for that, weren't we, in terms of the preparation. So, you know, there's an opportunity there potentially. And all of those countries will have their hang-ups with playing against Argentina or in Argentina. So hopefully we can almost just do the Stephen Bradbury and be there when they all knock each other out. (laughs) Hey, do you remember Messi at the MCG? Was it the MCG? Do you remember remember that in, in, was it 2008? Everyone knew his talent then, but what was it like being on the park seeing this guy? 
Yeah, look, obviously they they had a great team. I also remember Tevez was there playing that that day, and and obviously playing against Argentina, and was always a massive occasion. And you know, obviously Messi at the time, and we actually gave him a good run for their money. Mm. Uh, uh, you know, I believe it was one zero. We went down, um, but it was a fantastic occasion. Obviously, ninety thousand people in the MCG is not bad. Were you marking Messi, or was he uh, deeper? Yeah, I think I started with him, um, and then he wasn't having much joy, so he went to the other side. <laughs> Just quietly, we talk about Australia, we focus on all that, but the pressure on Argentina in that tournament to finally give Messi a trophy is going to be, we're going to have our head in our little bubble about the Socceroos, but that's going to be one hell of a story. So to be there, to be a bit of a joke in the pack, what an amazing opportunity for all these Socceroos. We can't wait for the countdown towards it. Oh, here's a good yarn. Good yarn, interesting yarn. If you're a Napoli fan, this is a really ordinary yarn. We're going to end off with the latest happenings from Syria, where um, the talk that Gennaro Gattuso is being tapped up for the Napoli job after they've just gone off the boil under Carlo Ancelotti. We, we know all about um, the mutiny in the dressing room and the protests over training camps that um, the, the, the president wanted to go on as a punishment for their form. Um, you would have never tipped them to fall off the cliff like this, Richard. T- a team that uh, we've got to enjoy over the last year and a half in the Champions League. Well, I think the fact that they, they've squandered a few very good years. They were the second best team in Italy for probably a four or five year spell. Uh, two or three years ago in particular, they threw away a pretty good opportunity to upset Juventus. Um, you know, And we know the class of Juve winning title after title. And it's almost like now that things have started to slip and we see the strength uh, of Inter Milan in particular coming back to the fore, it's almost like Napoli and certainly the hierarchy have realised that we've got nothing to show for what what we've done over the past few seasons and that that's created a bit of an internal pressure their best four or five players have led this revolt against the ownership um, and and it's in the situation now we're a very good manager in Carlo Ancelotti his days are numbered there and I suspect he probably doesn't mind that either there'll be plenty of gigs out there there'll be about six or seven in the Premier League soon enough if he wants one so <laughs> well, I tell you what speaking about dominoes falling it might not be Marco Silva it might not be Watford and Chris Hewitt. it actually might be whether he gets an escape out of out of Naples because I'll tell you what if he's available and you've got Allegri uh, Ancelotti and, ben, and, um, and Pochettino all available that might trigger the silly season more than anything he'd be a good manager for arsenal well he'd be a good manager for a lot of clubs really yeah, Ancelotti, you look sure. at his his pedigree but um yeah abs- it's a it's a shame you know you look at watch the maradona movie recently mm-hmm. and it's just a reminder of how unbelievable that city is when it comes to its football but also the pressures on the club to deliver for the people of naples and once it starts going south historically it it stays south for a little while. They're a proud club, but they also don't really have a, a massive history of success. Mm. They had this opportunity the past five or six years. They didn't really cash in on it, and now it's into Milan and Juve running away with it. Yeah, it looks like uh, it's not not long before Ancelotti is he's also out of there, and and like I say, he's probably probably waiting for that moment. You know, when 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 things behind the scenes are going ugly, it's it's hard for you know when the players are unhappy to to tr- as a as a coach to try and get the best out of them and their their heads aren't in it. Um, you know, look, I think there's probably he's probably not the only one looking to get out. There's probably a fair few players there also. Imagine the vultures circling, by the way, for their best players. I mean, oh, that oh, oh, Koulibaly, Mertens, Insigne. But the problem is a club like Napoli probably looks at the money to be made there too, and that's a shame that, that that's where they lose that that. You know, they say that premiership window, that's a bit of an Australian yeah, they'll Australian They'll back into yeah. a rebuild. They'll, it'll end up being a clear out. It'll be another couple of years. They'll have to rebuild the club completely. I threw this in, Luke, as well, because I'm curious to know whether you ran into any 
issues like this or saw things like this or what it's like as a player when just interference starts to meddle in the way of the club and you just know that things aren't going to plan? It just becomes a problem because, you know, people and players within the club are talking about whether it's not getting paid, whether it's talking about having to do this and do that rather than focus on just winning football matches and and enjoying your football. So it becomes a distraction. There's there's no doubt about that. You know, I've I've had it before in in my times in in Moscow where where sometimes players weren't happy about bonuses or things that were going on and, you know, and and in the change room they're just talking and that negativity just just seeps in. It seeps in and or if you're not happy with the manager or other things, it's, you know, it's disharmony and how you're going to win football matches like that. That group in the Champions League next week will be really interesting to watch because Liverpool can't really afford to go and lose to Salzburg. But if Napoli are losing to Gank, if it falls apart for them, then we could see Salzburg and Liverpool go through. It's one of those groups where it looks pretty set on paper, but there could be quite a bit of final day drama. We'll learn a bit about the club and this playing group and Angelotti's future right there and then, you, you would suspect as well. So, wow. Lots to look forward to then in the Champions League. Before we get through that, so we're going to get through midweek Premier League over the next few days. Then, Saturday night, Everton against Chelsea. That kicks us all off again. Geez, these players are going to get absolutely exhausted. Bournemouth, Liverpool, Tottenham, Burnley, Watford, Crystal Palace. They're the 2 a.m. games as we lead up to the Manchester Derby at 4.30 a.m. on Sunday morning. And then the round... Start your working week with four games just quietly. Aston Villa against Leicester City, Newcastle against Southampton, Norwich City against Sheffield United, Brighton against Wolves, and then the Champions League week get, gets warmed up with West Ham against Arsenal on Tuesday morning at 7am. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, action live on off the sport. Rich, you'll be up and at them as ever, won't you? Well, yeah, there's a, there's a really big derby to look forward to this weekend, isn't there? Um, Huddersfield and Leeds. And I think, uh, you know, if Leeds can get a victory there against a somewhat resurgent um, Huddersfield, then who's to say they can't stay in the top two for the majority of the season before they fall away with three games to play? And you'll be in a much better mood next week, of course, which is always what it's dictated by. Luke, what are you looking forward to on the weekend? Oh, mate, I'm, I'm looking forward to a rest, actually, after this long trip away from China. <laughs> I'm looking forward to some sleep-ins uh, before the birth of, of a child next week. <laughs> next week? Next week, Ooh. yes. Hang on, we've got to wrap this up. You've got to go home. That's enough. <laughs> yeah, You've I, done I enough. Got, um, I, got some, uh, I need some rest before next week. <laughs> Big time, mate. What a year 2019 for you. Well, gents, thanks so much for your time. Been another great morning, another really enjoyable chat. And to everyone else out there, as ever, until the next Gagan Pod, enjoy your football. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. 
code PROGRAM.